All right, we welcome you back on the program. It's the yeah. 6 o'clock hour. And the Pistons are going to get it going this week. Boy, everything's kicking back oh, into no. gear here now. Yeah. We got uh, it's that time of year where all four sports are going. <laughs> Not that the Tigers are playing, mm, but no. baseball's going on. Basketball kicks in. The hockey's already started up. The two forms of football are playing. So hopefully the Pistons are going to give us some uh, good news this year. And here to talk about that, Dwayne Casey, the coach, is online with us right now. Coach, how are you? Doing great, Mitch. How you doing? How you and Ken doing? Oh, We're all good. doing fine. We're doing fine, good. considering everything yeah. that's going on in the world. We're it's doing amazing. fine. It's, it's amazing what we're going through in the world, and that's what's great about sports. We can lean back on sports and enjoy sports, win, lose, or draw, because you know, there's so many other serious things going on in the world that uh, we sometimes can't comprehend. You're right. You are mm-hmm. certainly right. Uh, so let's talk about the Pistons. For those who who, uh, who are listening to us who haven't paid a whole lot of attention since the last game last year, what's mm-hmm. different? Well, one, we've added some, uh, a very athletic guard in Jay Nivey, who is going to have speed and athleticism to our team. Uh, our young guys are a year older. Kate Cunningham is in year two. Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart have grown or grown right before our eyes. Uh, and like I tell everybody, a lot of our success it wasn't shown in wins last year. But if you watched our team closely, as the year went on, we got better, we grew. We were close to 500 after the All-Star break, and that's a sign of growth for our young team. And, you know, when you rebuild, Mitch, it, it doesn't always show in wins, but the growth that we're going through, there's a huge pot of gold for this organization, this team. Once these puppies grow up, and, and we've added some older guys uh, Bogdanovich, who's a who average 18 points on a 50-plus win team in Utah. Uh, we added Alex Burke, who's still mending right now and, and uh, that played for New York. So we added some veteran experience with these young guys to help them grow and take that step forward. What do you expect from Cade Cunningham this year? I mean, he, he, he was obviously, you know, top pick in the draft. A lot of people have said, you know, he's going to be a superstar in the league, but even the word superstar in the NBA mm-hmm. is probably overused, you know, because there are a lot of guys that probably consider themselves superstars, but not all of them necessarily win. Uh, some of them just get a lot of points. What, 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 what is Cade Cunningham going to be this year in terms of making the Pistons win? Well, one, uh, Mitch, he got off to a slow start last year. He came back from a severe ankle injury. It took him probably December, January, probably, I would say, mid-January to get his sea legs under him and get in the rhythm of the NBA game. And as everybody else, as the year went on, he got better, he grew. And the thing with Kate right now is learning how to win, learning how to win on the NBA level. What does it take to win? Is it points? Is it me being the quarterback? Is it me being the leader of the team? You know, and I, I always say, you know, there's a million other ways to impact winning other than scoring a bunch of points, as you just said. You know, and to me, winning is the most important thing with this young group. When you rebuild, you get your head knocked up, you get hit upside the head a few times. So learning how to win, have confidence in winning is huge. Went through the same thing in Toronto. Then once that door opens, that switch comes on, it's lights out. And that's kind of where we are right now, kind of going up that mountain. And Cade is the leader of that. So his, his thing is contribute to winning. And it may not be points. It may be his voice. It may be allowing Jay, Jay Navi to grow next to him uh, and those two working together in rhythm, 
So there's so many things because he, he's the face of the franchise. He's the number one pick. I don't want to put a lot of pressure on him, but again, that you know, we're building around him with this group, with uh, Ivy and with Duran and all some of the older guys. So uh, he understands that. He's he's a mature young man. He's a coach on the floor for us, even though he's, I think he just turned 21 a couple weeks ago. So uh, he he's the face of the franchise and the leader of our team. I know I saw one thing the other night. I saw uh, Memphis and you guys play that last game. And mm-hmm. I saw John Moran and I saw Jay Nivey. Now, I'm not saying they are identical right now, but it looked like a before and after picture there. It looked like physically those two are the same guy. Ken, it's a, it's a great story. And I know Mitch knows Jaden's grandfather, but his mom coached in Memphis when, uh, when Morant just first came in the league. So, you know, all his mannerisms, just like Kobe and Michael Jordan, all his mannerisms are a lot like Morant. Hairstyle is like Morant. He's not where Morant is in his career right now, but he's he's picked a, a, a excellent player to emulate his game after, to take after, and his mom has done a heck of a job, and his dad also, of raising this young man and 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 under, helping him understand basketball. And it's a typical coach's son uh, type of player, and his mom has done a heck of a job with him. But it's ironic that we played them the other night. And, uh, you know, those two grew up, he idolized them, and they stay in contact with each other. So if he if his game emulates John Morant's game, we, we have, we're on something. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Sign up for that right away. Yeah, okay? right away. No problem. When you mentioned yeah. that Cade uh, Cunningham, who's, you know, the budding superstar of the team, just mm-hmm. turned 21. Jaden mm-hmm. Ivey, I think, might be 20. Uh, 20 yes. You know, how how is it? Coach Casey, a man who's close to my age. Now, I know I deal with kids this age at our orphanage in Haiti, and there are many challenges in the distance between our ages, shall we say. But I'm not relying on them for my livelihood. It's kind of the other way around. you know. So when, when the distance keeps growing between you know a, a coach who obviously gets older and the players who keep getting younger, how do you traverse that? Well, one, I've got an excellent young staff, uh, you know, and I'm coaching the coaches as much as anything else. We've got coaches in charge of the defense, coaches in charge of the offense. But sports is one thing that, Mitch, and, you know, I'm sure you do a great job with the kids down there. Sport is one thing that keeps you young. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know my age, but I don't feel 65. I, I've changed my philosophy to fit today's NBA um, Pete Carroll is probably my idol when it comes to older coaches. He stayed up and stayed relevant, changing his style of play with today's game. So you have to evolve as a coach. And age, you know, if I stuck in my ways the way we played back in the early 90s, I'd probably be out of the league already. But the game has changed. I've changed my philosophy. But, again, also, too, you know, you still have to have young coaches around, young players. and. And to be able to relate, not that I don't relate, I've got a young family, so my kids help me stay up in tune to what's going on in and, and today's. But really the most important thing is evolving with today's game, the up-tempo game, the analytical game, the, the playing with a flair that may be, may be not fundamentally sound. All those things I had to evolve and adjust and adapt to because uh, you said all throughout the NBA, not just our team, the league is getting younger and younger and yeah. younger. Mm-hmm. And we've all had to adapt in certain ways to 
adapt our philosophies to today's game. Two know, hours I'm, of BET sure. a night. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Two hours of BET every night, right? <laughs> yeah, that'll, no that'll get you. Always, always. Uh, but of, and I admire you for doing that. Of all the things that have changed in the game, if you could take one and mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm, I want to reinstitute the way it used to be with regard to whatever it is, what would you put back in the game from the earlier days when you coached it? Well, being on the competition committee, Mitch, we've talked a lot about how can we incentivize low post play. You know, that's getting the ball inside because right now everybody's kind of everybody's playing the analytical game, either the three or to the rim, and the days of the low post game is kind of gone by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And so, if I could do anything, how can we incentivize getting the ball into the post, playing a, a percentage game in the low post area? Because right now, that's probably the most, most least efficient shot in the game is the low post turnaround. So less incentivized, whether it's calling it tighter in the post where you call a foul if you get touched or whatever. But let's get the low post game back, play inside out, because right now we're playing inside in, in a lot of the league is, and almost all the entire league. So let's get that in. If I could change one game, less incentivize back, get low post play back mm-hmm. into the game. And that way, you you know, there's a little bit more fundamental. You'd be a little bit more methodical in how you pick defenses apart. Um, you know, you try to be unpredictable with your drive and kick and swinging and moving the basketball to get a quality three-point shot or get to the rim or the free throw line. But one thing, if you notice, just watch as this season starts, how, how um, you know, many times teams go into the low post, and if they do, they're not looking to score it out of there. They're looking to pass and quarterback out of there. Yeah, it might even reinvigorate the center position, which is no question. kind of all, all but disappeared. Well, it'll be one next year coming, 7-4. Yeah. Whoa, I've heard about that kid. Yeah, everybody's heard about that kid. All right, uh, we're looking forward to it. The Pistons kick off this week, and uh, I think it's uh, Wednesday night Wednesday against night? Orlando. Yeah, yeah. LCA. Yeah. Against Orlando, another young team that's in the you know kind of on the same plane, trying to take that next step as we are, Mitch and Ken. Mm. Well, you take it yeah. first. Hey, can I ask okay. one more question for the coach? You go. I okay. gotta ask you, man. I've been meaning to ask him, Coach. Okay. Mm-hmm. I gotta ask you one question before you get out of here. The Please. big story this week was the Draymond Green thing with the uh, <laughs> at the practice. Now, half the league says this happens all the time. The other half says this is rare current. Yeah. Now, you've been in the game right. a long time. Is that a? Does that happen a lot, or doesn't it happen a lot? It doesn't get to the punch, Ken, but it it happens a lot. There's a lot of what we use. I know you know what I'm talking about. A lot of jaw jacking in practice. You get those heated competition, which is good. But once you get to the violence part, that's a little bit unacceptable and kind of against the grain a little bit. Uh, I know back in the day when I was in Seattle, we had Vernon Maxwell and Gary Payton as guards, and so there was a lot of jaw jacking, a few fisticuffs, but. Again, the differences today is that little little cell phone or, or the cameras in every practice gym. You know, nobody knew about those scuffles or whatever happened back then, and it stayed within the family. But now with cameras everywhere, iPhones or whatever the, the product is, you know, to get pictures, that's the difference in the day. But once you cross that line of hitting a teammate, that's always uncalled for. I, I like aggression in practice. I like guys competing against each other, going at each other. But when you put your hands on another teammate, that's a little bit across the line. Again, I'm just talking about myself in general, more so than that situation, uh, you know, that happened in, in Golden yeah. State. So, well, when the uh, jaw jacking is over mm-hmm. 
the size of the swimming pool that you're going to put in when you get your contract. It's, it's not the nobility kind of goes out the window there, coach. You, you're it's right. That's nothing so very true. noble about that or competitive <laughs> no, or anything. Exactly. It's just stupid. Well, and again, it, it's probably the best of friends now, but you know, it's just not a good look for our league. Whoever does that, not just yeah. saying those two in in, L, in California, but it's not good for all because we're an example for young kids, and we got to maintain that and understand that every time we do something, whether it's in practice, in the games, or in the public. Dwayne Casey, coach of the Pistons, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much, coach. Thank you so much, Mitch. See you guys later. Thank you, Ken. Brief break, and we'll come back with more right after this.